Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Tuesday. Happy play-in day. Actually, we're calling this wild card day. Right, guys? I'm Dave DeFore. I'm joined by Jared Weiss. You guys know his voice on the Daily Ding. We got Fred Katz from Tampering, from Wizards After Dark, our Wizards beat writer. The Wizards are the best team in basketball, I think. We're just going to talk about them for the whole show. How do you feel about that? All I do is sit around thinking about the Wizards. So this is the one conversation I can add value in. Are you guys all in on the wild card just before we start? I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. We're all excited. This is amazing. I like playing. I prefer playing. I like wild card. I'm switching it. I'm sorry. You just have to live in my world. All right. Let's jump into this game because I think that a month ago, if I would have told you that the Celtics were going to going to be playing the Wizards in the first round of the playoffs, you would have no idea how the heck we got here. So how the heck do we get here, Fred? Well, the Wizards have been arguably the hottest team in the league over the last however many months. They've won 17 out of 23 to close the season, and the Celtics went in the opposite direction, 5-10 and to close the year. Wizards have the second best winning percentage over those final 23 games, uh, just barely behind the Knicks. The defense has climbed out of the bottom. Russell Westbrook is legitimately getting triple doubles every game. He had 24 triple doubles in his last 29 games. And Bradley Beal's good for an efficient 31. They just look like a much better team. The role players are rolling. Robin Lopez can't miss with his hook shot. Howell Neto has been incredibly steady for them all season, entered the starting lineup, and has just been really good. And the Daniel Gafford edition honestly changed their season. They're about nine points per 100 possessions better when he's on the floor, and it is apparent. Jared, what the heck happened with the Celtics? The Celtics like to do this fun thing when whenever things are going well, they want them to go the opposite direction as fast as humanly possible. And so that's how they ended up where they are now. This team, even before Jalen Brown went down for the year, was just so unbelievably just flawed at his core. Yet there's just been this wait the entire season for everyone to finally get healthy and see what they really are made of. But we've seen that over and over again with this team. And I mean, they're at the point now that they are the higher seed in this play-in and yet are not the favorites in the game. Yeah, no one's favoring them because the Wizards are too awesome. Can we get an update on Bradley Beal, Fred? Because the hamstring thing, we're all worried about it. We saw the quote. He said he shouldn't have played the other night. Is he going to be good to go for tomorrow? I would imagine yes. I can't imagine that Beal would tough his way through that season finale against Charlotte. With the way that he looked, he was grimacing, he was limping, he was holding the hamstring. He had just missed the previous three games with that hamstring injury, and you knew he wasn't close to 100%. He admitted it wasn't close to 100%. It was extremely obvious he wasn't close to 100%, and I just can't imagine he would play in that game and then not tough it out for the play-in as well. He's a, he's a really tough guy and he did not look good at all honestly for the first three quarters of that charlotte game we'll see what happens in the boston one because lord knows second leading scorer in the league he is incredibly important to them look the celtics are probably hoping that he doesn't look good not that they would ever wish injury on someone but you know if it's in their advantage but let's say they do look good jared how do the celtics handle bradley beal and russell westbrook Well, so this is where you feel the Jalen Brown loss more than anything because he just gives you that defensive versatility that it takes the pressure off of Tatum and Smart, who are probably going to get the Beal and the Westbrook assignments respectively, to be locked in on those guys the entire time. So in this game, those guys are probably going to have to guard for like the entirety of the game, essentially, and they're going to rotate a little bit some different personnel. 
we know based on the way the Celtics have been defending as of late that if they mix up personnel beyond their really their best defenders, things can go wrong really fast. And this team has not been resilient when the opponent starts breaking through on triple penetration, starts running on them in transition, which obviously this Wizards team loves to do and is great at. So the big question here is honestly is can Beal wear Tatum down by just taking it to him over and over Tatum to his credit stamina has never really been an issue for him and he's been resting and you know every single time that he gets two days rest which he got in this one his uh, defensive rating drops by like 10 points and so you know defensive rating for individuals is certainly there's a lot of noise within that stat but at least comparing between different days of rest within there there is something to take from it. So we should expect a really good defensive performance from Tatum. Do you think that the Celtics can handle Beal and Westbrook if Beal is healthy at all, Fred? Yeah, they can handle them because I think a lot of defending Westbrook has to do with as much how you scheme against him and how you execute those schemes, as much as it's about individual defense. It's it's basically about finding a way to make sure you beat him to the spots where he can kill you and make him rely on jump shots. On top of that, they have a guy named Marcus Smart, who I just threw on an all-defense team for the one millionth year in a row, and I think guards guards as well as any other guy in the league. And if Marcus Smart can lock Westbrook down and frustrate him, Westbrook has a history of kind of making must-win games, playoff games, playoff series personal. That's something where if you get a bad Russ game, now all of a sudden that offense looks a lot different than it did before. We know that the Celtics have a huge weakness in the middle. We don't know what Rob Williams' status is. Tristan Thompson's not been great. There's no Daniel Tice. They've got no size, no depth, and no spacing in the middle. How are the Wizards going to exploit that? And why is it just Robin Lopez 40 jump hooks? (laughs) So, see, this is why I think the matchup favors the Wizards. Because the Wizards cannot shoot threes. You look at their guards and you look at the fact that they play really fast paced and you associate them with the typical fast paced traits where you spread the floor. And that's not how the Wizards play. They have two regulars in their rotation who shot above league average from three point range this year. Davis Bertans and Howell Neto, who was also dealing with a hamstring injury and is probably going to play in that game. Garrison Matthews bumps in and out of the rotation. And that's it. The way they become successful offensively is those guards get to the rim and they're able to create a little bit better standstill looks for three-point shooters from there or they get to the line they shoot a lot of free throws as a team it's not just Westbrook and Beal who get there Daniel Gafford gets there Robin Lopez hits every hook shot he takes and he gets there they have other guys who are able to get there as well and that is how the offense goes from eh, it's not working great tonight to oh wow they're scoring a kind of a top 10 level when they're able to get to the rim if they can exploit the paint you know they had 96 points in the paint in a recent game against Indiana if they can exploit the paint the offense just looks completely different than when they can so what do the Celtics do, Jared? I mean, is it, is it Marcus Smart at the five? Is that what we're going to see? The big question is, will Rob Williams be actually healthy? He's been missing most of the last few weeks with a turf toe injury. He's probable to play, so he's he's going to play. If he's not really healthy, the center matchup is a major problem because you have Lopez, who, against Tristan Thompson, can just go to that Kareem hook shot over and over and over again. And then Gafford can probably finish and elevate over Thompson pretty well. He has that those kind of physical tools. So Thompson might actually really struggle to protect the rim. And then the question is, do you fight fire with fire and just go completely small 
and try to run as much as possible with like Grant Williams at the five, for instance. Again, not having Jalen Brown prevents them from going super small with that lineup of Tatum, Brown, and Smart essentially as the front court. So there's no clean recipe for them to counter with like a full, kind of if Washington is going big, them to go fully small and still have a really potent offense. Are we all taking the Wizards in this game? I'm taking the Wizards, but you know, if Beal isn't healthy, if Beal looks like 60% of himself, that obviously changes the equation. We know obviously that Beal's health, uh, it can range from 40% to 95%. And frankly, if it's dipping below even, let's say 80%, that's when things get really tight because Kemba Walker has been scoring like 30 a night for the past few weeks, and he is starting to really look like Kemba Walker again. And uh, Evan Fournier is also looking like he finally fits in with this team and is playing his best. This could be one of those games where it just comes down to, like, who between Fournier and Bertons is the one that really gets hot. So you're saying it's the Wizards, Jared? Oh, I'm saying it's the Wizards, yes. <laughs> and Fred, Wizards? Yeah, I'll, I'll pick the Wizards. It's the Wizards. All right, guys, in the actual wild card game itself, the play-in itself between the ninth and 10th seeds, we've got the Indiana Pacers and the Charlotte Hornets. These are two teams that I would say the public feel totally differently about. The Pacers, I think a lot of people feel are boring. Charlotte, ton of fun. Guys, are, are you interested in this game? Is this going to be fun at all, or are, we, are you expecting a slog to a certain degree? I'm fascinated by it because there is going to be a slog to a certain degree. And it's another example of how contrasting styles make really exciting playoff basketball. I mean, we've just seen it that this Hornets team, they're going to run through LaMelo, I'm sure, a lot and out on the break. We know in crunch time, they really spread things out. They get a lot of interesting isolation. While Indiana, spacing has kind of been really on both ends of the court has been the issue for them all year. So it's just going to be really interesting to see kind of whether Sabonis can really screw up the Charlotte rotation and force them to put out personnel that they don't want to put out there. Well, Fred, Sabonis has been awesome and flying under the radar, right? Beyond. I mean, how many basketball fans know, true basketball fans, like diehard basketball fans, know that DeMontis Sabonis averaged a triple-double the last month of the season? And trust me, I know. I've been covering triple-doubles for, I feel like, five <laughs> years now covering Russell Westbrook. All I think about now, it's all I get to think about is triple doubles. And DeMontis Sabonis has been averaging a triple double. You look at the assist numbers. The guy's a top three or four passing big man at that point. At this point, you know, you got Draymond. You obviously have Jokic leading the way. But he is right there with Bam Adebayo and the rest of the great passing big men they have out there. He's an incredible low post scorer. He's underratedly one of the strongest guys in the league and the Pacers are not playing as poorly as people say they are the defense has been really rough the paint defense has been rough but if Sabonis goes off they can be okay well no Miles Turner in this game so you know he's playing the five exclusively and then for Charlotte no Gordon Hayward or Cody Martin Jared I gotta ask you you know him as well as anybody are we expecting a playoff Terry appearance I mean, this guy has just been unreal in the clutch this year, and I guess every minute of a playoff game is basically the clutch. He really steps up and thrives in those moments. He's, I think, tied with Dame for like fourth in three-pointers made per game in crunch time. I mean, this is really what he relishes. I think part of that is that 
you're going just a lot more isolation heavy and you're running a lot of sets where it's like one, it's him curling off of something and then a quick swing pass to him to go into the shot. And that's not really a sustainable offense throughout the game. So expecting him to kind of go berserk at the end of the game is totally reasonable. The question is, can they actually manufacture a consistent offense throughout the game? Thankfully, they're playing the Pacers and the Pacers defense has been kind of embarrassing most of the year. Exactly. So we're all picking Charlotte in this one. Nope. Uh Uh-oh. All right. Well, I'm ruining the trend. I'm going with the Pacers. I mean, Charlotte doesn't have Gordon Hayward, and the Pacers' defense has been really bad in transition, and they give up a ton of points in the paint. Charlotte's offense is also jump shot reliant. They don't score a ton of points in the paint. They get rely on a lot of small guards who don't necessarily get around the rim. I'm guessing big game from Sabonis, and the Pacers actually win. I'll go the other way because I think Miles Bridges can do pretty well on Levert. I mean, not having Cody Martin definitely will hurt during the game, but I like the I like the potential for Bridges to match up well against him in crunch time. I don't think Brogdon is probably going to be healthy enough to make a huge impact on Rozier on LaMelo Ball. I'm hoping that Borrego is just going to go with P.J. Washington at the five for the most part in this game and that they're able to make that work against Sabonis. And if they do, I just think Charlotte's offense is going to be too good in this one. Yeah, I think if they go P.J. Washington at the five, they can run Sabonis off the court. That's going to do it for today's show, folks. Don't forget about all the other podcasts on the Athletic Podcast Network. You know the names. You already subscribed. If you don't subscribe on the app, make sure you do. You get notifications every time a new episode drops. If you haven't already signed up, go to theathletic.com slash daily ding and subscribe now. Fred, you've done the ding a couple of times. Jared, you already know this. It's old hat. You know what we do here, right? Ding, ding. Ding.